You're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast hosted by the team here at Soul Strategies. We hope you liked the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Um, this is Z. I know it's been a while since I've been on the podcast and I'm really excited to talk to you all today. Um, luckily, I have a special guest here with me. We have Alex Burton, um, councilman in Indiana, who is very, very passionate, to say the least, about making sure that Indiana is blue. Um, and that has been a long ride. And we've done a lot of great work together um, in this past election cycle. Um, just the beginning of, of much more work ahead. But we are coming to, to talk with you all today about um, some of the things that we have done on the ground in Indiana, both us and Alex separately, um, and as well as together, um, to really make a difference in the state. So um, hey, Alex, how's it going? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, all is going well. We are past election day and I am all smiles. Awesome. So Alex, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive in and let the audience know a little bit about yourself and the work that you have been doing over the years? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Alex Burton. I currently am the fourth ward city councilman in Evansville, Indiana. Um, Evansville is at the very, very southwest corner of Indiana. So I literally can get to Kentucky faster. I can get to the grocery store. Um, <laughs> we are the third largest city in the state. Um, and on the other side of our municipal election that, that took place on no November the 7th, we are now, uh, we have a Democratic mayor and we have eight members of city council who are Democrats. Um, we haven't had a Democratic mayor since he left, since Jonathan Weinzapfel left office in at the end of 2011. And so it's been a long time coming. Um, but thanks to the work of, of Soul Strategies and Z and, and, and just really a, a strong ground game, we now have control of the city. And aside from Evansville getting a Democratic mayor, uh, Tara Holt, which is in our congressional district, also has a Democratic mayor now and um, is also controlled by Democrats in Tara Holt. So we are making strides. That's awesome. That's and can you tell us, Alex, a little bit more about Evansville? Because I think it's a really interesting um, like case study of, uh, you know, I mean, not a small town by any means, you know, definitely, I guess, would be considered a, not a large city, but a city. Right. Like, how do you all consider Evansville and Indiana in terms of the uh, ge geographic location? Yeah. So so Evansville is literally in the central um, it, it sits along the Ohio River um, in between Louisville, Kentucky and St. Louis, Missouri uh, to our east and west. And then to our north, and our north is Indianapolis. And then south, about two and a half hours away is Nashville, Tennessee. So we are really in the middle of a lot of growing and thriving cities um, who's still trying to figure out what our own identity is. But knowing that we want to be more than the river town that we've been historically. And so it's been an interesting few years talking about, um, you know, how our city is going to grow <clears throat> and then really implementing um, really strong policy that really sets the future of our of, of, who, of what our city will become. And I know I, I jumped right into being a councilman. So prior to being on city council, um, I am I'm born and raised here in Evansville. I uh, went to uh, Indiana State University where I got a degree in communications and then went to Western Kentucky where I got my master's in public administration. And from there, I 
actually went to Capitol Hill. I interned for uh, two members of Congress, one of which is no longer in Congress, but Jim Cooper, who represented Nashville, and mm -hmm. then Beck Clark, who represents Brooklyn. So um, I've been around and had some experience interning from the former mayor, Jonathan Weinzapple, who ran for attorney general in 2020 um, here in Indiana. But, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of experience at the local state and, you know, even at the letter, uh, federal level in, in some regards. And so um, capturing all of that knowledge and then trying to implement what it is I've learned along the way here in Evansville has been uh, it's been interesting. So. Yeah, that, that's so cool. I didn't know that about you, that you did all that work on Capitol Hill. That's that's awesome. I'm curious about like in terms of the at least the last presidential election, do you know which way Evansville voted in that election? Were they more yeah. Trump or more Biden? No. So <clears throat> so in 20, um, Biden carried Vanderburg County. Um, but then in 16, uh, Trump carried our county. And so um, since 16, our our county has definitely leaned more blue than red. Um, and I think now now that we're past the city election, I'm curious to know what next year will look like. But I, I have a strong, um, strong suspicion that we will be uh, we will be blue. That's that's awesome. Well, yeah, definitely with all the local elections that have been happening is definitely swaying things. I'm curious about 2016. Do you feel like the folks in Indiana and you probably know better than anyone, would you consider them to be more like blue collar workers? Um, is it more of a like a, a Rust Belt part of the state or how would you describe the constituents out there? Yeah, it's so interesting. So yeah, on, on my to do list or if I was to get you know, if I was to go back to school to get a doctor or something, I would be so curious to study what happened between 2008 and 2016. Yeah. So in 2008, uh, Obama carried Indiana, which was the first Democrat to do so in a very long time. Um, and then an all all out shift, you know, from 12 and 16 that just went bright red. And I think it had everything to do with um the rhetoric that was that was happening and you know really tapping into the blue collar workers and making them uh feel empowered and having a voice uh but that power and voice hasn't led to anything that would make their lives better mm -hmm. um and so so navigating that line and of course you know this is an area where um religion is plays a role um, and abortion plays a role as well. Um, and I honestly think there were just there have been too many um, disinterested voters that just chose to sit on the sideline as opposed to fighting the, the national conversation. Yeah, no, t absolutely. I mean, voter apathy is one of the um, I would say one of the hardest things that we have to deal with in the Democratic Party as a whole. I feel like we have to work so much harder than the Republicans do um, to fight voter apathy. Have you, is that something that you think is a problem across the whole state of Indiana? Uh, 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's, it was interesting, even through, you know, the campaign year, um, talking about the issues that really mattered, uh, you know, housing's bad. And, you know, the Democrats on, that ran for council all talked about housing. Uh, you know, our utility bills, um, you know, though we're the third largest city, we pay the highest 
energy bills in the state. And we've done so for the past 13 years. Mm -hmm. um, and for a long time, it was like, well, there's nothing that can be done. And, you know, we as running for office were like, no, we're going to we're going to make this a, a, a talking point. We're going to do some things to to really put the energy company on notice saying, hey, we, we can't continue these these rates, you know, as much as as much as we understand where a profit has to be made, um, there are also people who have to keep the lights on and pay for groceries and pay for gas, all the things, right? And so I'm um, just making it real uh, for for the voters and, and really showing who we are and that we're gonna fight for them. I think it made the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, getting getting folks out is really like the key and, and the messaging plays such a huge role too. What are your, I'm just curious before we sort of get into like the more local piece, what do you think is going to happen with Biden in Indiana in this coming year in 2024? Do you think that it's going to be an easy win for him? Do you think that it's going to be like mostly based on like what he does in the state? Um, what What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be so interesting. I'm curious to see who's going to be the Republican nominee, if it's mm -hmm. not Trump, um, yeah. if it is Trump, I'm curious to know what the overall thought process is going to be and how voters are going to take that. Um, our, our, our United States Senator Mike Braun, who is going to leave the Senate and run for um, run for governor, has already endorsed um, Trump. And so I'm curious to see how that plays into not only his electability, but how voters in the state respond to that going in that direction. Um, yeah. At that same time, I think the the um, the apath apathy is gone and people are ready to do something, um, especially as, you know, we talk about the you know what's going on with 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 Gaza and 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 Hamas and, and Israel I think with all that going on people are paying closer attention and to the um to the comments and actions of those who are elected and so I, I think I think there's an opportunity certain certainly not certainly an opportunity for um, the Biden campaign to um, take advantage but it has to be in a strategic way, right? It can't be the New York or California approach. It needs to be the Andy Bashir approach in Kentucky. Hey, you're listening to the Soul Strategies Podcast. Take a moment to listen to some of our esteemed champions and their takeaways from the program. And I'm glad that I was a part of that, that I had the opportunity to even be involved with that, with some legitimate organizations that help people who want to do right by other people, you know, by communities. You know, utilize my, my resources, utilize my networks. Um, this has, the last month, I've had some tremendous things happen. It's your time to become a leader. Go to soulstrategies.com to find out more. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was such an impressive campaign and um, and completely agree. I, I think I, I'm definitely worried about like Biden's performance. Um, going into 2024, just because, uh, you know, what we've seen, my, my hope, honestly, is that the work that we're doing at the local level is going to help to propel Biden forward in these states. That's what I hope happens. Whether that's the truth or not, I mean, we're, we're yet to see, right? Um, 
which brings us to, to the local um, elections that we just had. So um, can you tell us a little more, Alex, about um, the like recruitment process, if there was any recruitment process for the candidates that ran on the slate that we were just working with? Yeah, sure. So, um, so, so prior to the current council before this election, the makeup started as seven to two, seven Democrats to two Republicans. Um, to I know you're not going to find this as a surprise, but one of the council members literally left the Democratic Party going to the Republican uh, Party. So then it made things six to three. Um, and we had a Republican mayor. So it really was an effort of the Republican mayor had to work with the Democratic Council to get any and everything done. Um, and unlike mo the rest of the country, in a lot of ways, our Republican mayor was um, incredibly people focused. And so he was he was not a divisive figure. And it's part of the reason why he was he was able to be mayor for the, for 12 years. Um, he did the things that made sense and didn't get involved in the state and or national divisiveness or polarization. And so, um, you know, going into this year, we had the six Democrats, six of us who were um, on council, five of us sought reelection. And so the the three seats that came up were the at large races. And so um, Paul Green, who is um former business manager for, for IBEW Local 16 here in, here in the area. Um, and Mary Allen, who is a business owner, uh, just pro-environment, just an awesome person, um, decided to raise her hand as well. And so our strategy was, okay, we want to, of the, yes, we have the five of us, in the ward races, we want to go. We want to go for seven um, to make sure that it's a seven-two, at least a seven-two um, re representational council. And we were shooting for seven-two and eight, got, and got eight-one. So, so right. we 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 hit the doors. We advocated. We we pushed as much as we could. And the Stephanie Terry, who's going, who's the mayor elect ran an awesome race that really just galvanized people. And here we are with, you know, a, a Democratic mayor and a Democratic council who's pushing a Democrat agenda and going to really meet the needs of people. Yeah, absolutely. We, the, great candidates. And I think one of the questions that come comes up a lot for our candidates, because um, I talk about this all the time, that every single slate that we have ever run at Soul Strategies over the past almost four years now has won their races. And not just like a couple people on the slate, every single person that we've run on every single slate has won. And so we know that it works. It's, you know, it it's a process that works because of the sharing of resources, right? Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk a, a little bit to the audience about like, what we mean by like sharing resources and how that's like so beneficial to getting multiple candidates elected. Yeah, sure. So, so I was fortunate enough not to have um, an opponent. Um, and because of that, I had seven or 8,000 in, in a campaign account. Um, and instead of me putting yard signs out for a race of, of, of that I didn't need to run, I invested those funds into Mary Allen, Paul Green, and Stephanie Terry. 
Um, and because of that, um, not only did, were we able to have a clear a consensus of the structure that we wanted to really push, whether it be housing or just revitalizing the urban core, whatever the issue was that we agreed on, we said, we're going to approach this as a team. And so that when we win, there's not going to be any question about the things that we're going to do and the, and the, the, um, the approach we're going to take this to solving problems. Um, so, so that worked out incredibly well. Um, you know, for me, it wasn't wearing an Alex Burton for city council shirt. It was wearing uh, Mary Allen and Stephanie Terry and, and Paul Green so that people could associate who I was supporting in this, in the race. And so um, it, it just made a world of difference. And, 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 you know, a couple of my colleagues on council who were uh, had opponents were still of the same mindset. It was always going to be them and the other two at large candidates to make sure that we um, are working together, show a unified front and that uh, we're not just saying things because we want to be individually elected. It's no, it's the, it's the, 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 um, the effort that we're going to do collectively to get us to where we see ourselves being as a community. Yeah, no, completely. That's, that's really what it's about. I think that there's something subconscious in the way that voters see slates even, right? Like even just down to the core of, you know, as humans, we're pack animals, right? Like we, we want to see teamwork. And that's something that we um, hear a lot just in the general media, right? That like politics doesn't work anymore because people don't talk to each other, right? Like there's a huge narrative around that. And so I think when, you know, and I'd love to like study this more, but I think that when voters see slates, it almost makes them more comfortable because they're like, oh, this, it, it's almost like an endorsement, right? Even though they might not know the people on the slate, right? It's like, oh, well, but, you know, Stephanie is supporting Mary. So I guess Mary's a good person, right? Um, and so I think that all of that sort of happens like subconsciously in the back of voters' minds um, could definitely be one reason why slates are so successful. But then, of course, like what we were talking about, like the sharing of resources and how um, how important that is. I mean, just to, you know, when we think about the amount of doors that we could have knocked for these campaigns individually speaking with the budgets that they had, and these are not huge budget races, right? Like we're not talking about Congress or the governor, um, you know, just being able to knock that extra 10,000 doors because there's two other candidates, if they can only afford 5,000 each is huge. I mean, that's, you know, getting essentially the difference between getting to your win number and not getting to your win number. So um, I know that a lot of candidates are really, I, I guess, like skittish almost about um, asking other candidates and asking, um, getting their local officials involved in these type of slates, but um, just so incredibly important in every way. Um, I know that when we first talked, um, we very much bonded over uh, doors, which is typically when I call uh, most folks that are incumbents or consultants, um, I usually don't get that reaction. I, I usually get a reaction of, oh, really? Like, oh, I, you know, I was going to spend my money on mail or on um, TV or, you know, digital ads, right? Um, very rarely do I actually talk to um, somebody that I would consider like an old school organizer. So what made you, Alex, like excited about door knocking when we first spoke? Like what was like, what's your history in door knocking? And like, why do you think it's so important? Yeah, um, I, I would say um, my relationship to the district um, for me is is why. Right. So if 
somebody random goes to a door, they're going to look and say, Hey, yeah, can I, how can I help you? But if it's, you know, someone said, Hey, I'm here. Talk to Alex. He told me to come talk to you. This he's, he's excited about this election and you should be too. Here are the candidates, he, candidates he's working with. Here's who he's supporting. That goes a long way. And then it starts the word of mouth, right? That one, that one touch then goes to whether it's a husband or a wife or a friend who may be at the house who then may make a social media post who's like, oh, touching and tapping into a network of people that you may not have even thought you would you would be able to reach. Um, and, and it's really like that old school approach. So many people, especially after COVID, people are leery about going, you know, people have aren't going to the doors as much anymore, which makes it that much more even valuable that when somebody goes to the door, you're like, hey, okay, somebody's at the door. I wonder what they want. Um, and so it has that reverse effect. And then just for me, what I've, you know, what I've long admired from just the larger cities who've been able to galvanize people and show up on election day knowing that um, people are going to vote in their favor. That's just something that's always been in the back of my mind. And, and you know, for me, who I've, you know, I, I graduated college in 2011 and then again in 13 at a time when people are like, oh, I'm in Indiana, we'll never go blue. Like we, we won't go back to going blue ever again. It's like, no, the votes are there. We just got to get people energized and mobilized to show that the votes are there. And, and and now that that has happened with this election, there's no more, I wonder how people really feel in Vanderburg County. It's, oh, we, we Vanderburg County's blue. We can make a play for somebody who's looking to run statewide. And now, you know, because that blueprint is there and we're building out our, our, our machine, if you will, um, that's attractive. And then it makes everything exciting. And now who knows, Biden or Vice President Harris or I don't know, someone else, Governor Newsom or Governor Cooper or, or Governor um, Bashir may want to come to Evansville because it's friendly Democratic territory. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, so many I, I know so many folks that turn their nose up at local elections. Right. And this is just an example of how local affects federal like you were talking about. Now we can really entertain somebody running statewide and that being a possibility and them actually being able to raise money and be viable, whereby, you know, 10 years ago, that was not even I mean, probably less than 10 years ago. Right. Like that was not even considered a possibility. And so, um, you know, this is this is like a case study for why local politics are the most important. I mean, Bernie always said, like, politics starts from the bottom up. And it's true, right? Like the city council seats are could be argued are the most important seats in the country. Um, and so we that's a big part of what we do at Seoul is really encouraging people to not just start local, but stay local, honestly, like it's, you know, it's it's something that the community really needs. Um, so when we were in Indiana, actually, I mean, this is not the first time we've been in Indiana. We've actually, we've, we were there last cycle and got pretty close on, um, at, at least one race and one race, I guess you could consider was, was at least close for the area that we were in. Right. Um, and one of the things that we really focus on is the quality of canvas and how we're having conversations with voters, um, so do you know much, Alex, about like deep canvassing and like, have you had experience with it? No, not not too much. Um, but I definitely think it's it's valuable. And, you know, you look at how Georgia pulled it off. Right. Mm -hmm. That is 
that that is the blueprint and, and certainly a space that has to be done more. Yeah, no, De- Georgia's like a prime example of this. I really don't even I don't think that um that either of of the senators in Georgia last cycle would have been elected had they not focused on deep canvas. And that's something that we really push in these local elections. And I think why we were able to turn the um, the tide for for Mary and Paul um, and Stephanie, because the and, and really for folks that don't know that are listening to this, that are, you know, wanting to run for office or maybe consulting folks running for office. The difference really between deep canvassing and what we call GOTV or some call just regular canvassing is that deep canvas more so focuses on the empathy, right? The empathy, the thought, the feelings, um, all of those pieces in order to convince voters to to come to our side on an issue. And we've been very successful at this, particularly with changing Republicans, um, hard, hard Republicans, honestly, like Trump folks, really, um, to to the Democrat side, because um, statistically speaking, and what GOTV slash regular canvassing focuses on is um, the facts um, the figures, the, you know, things that are not empathy, thought and feeling, right? And so what we see from studies is that the facts and the figures actually don't change people's minds. And we, we not, like intellectually speaking, you'd think that they would, right? Like if we say like, well, statistically speaking, you know, Biden is better than Trump because of X, Y, Z reasons, right? Like you talking about the gas prices being high is not because of Biden. It's because of Trump for X, Y, Z, right? Um, that yeah. really does not work with with voters at all, because um, once it, it statistically, it shows that once people's minds are made up in a certain space, that there it's very, very unlikely for them to change their minds. And so when we see canvassing statistics, a lot of these studies are showing that well, voters don't really change their minds. So what's the point of going and talking to them? But what they're not looking at is what the difference is between deep canvas and fact figure GOTV canvas. So uh, that's a big part of what we do at Seoul and what we encourage all of our candidates to do is to have that deep canvassing experience, Um, which I guess from your perspective, Alex, do you think that that made any difference in um, in terms of the turnout? Yeah. Um, so, so we also, we also had a, um, it was interesting. So, so what we had also besides a traditional Democrat and Republican candidate was a libertarian candidate that just, you know, if any helps, definitely helped Stephanie out. Um, but you know, he didn't garner, you know, uh, uh, enough votes by any means but what he did was he he brought issues to the forefront that he would have that that wouldn't have came up had it just been the traditional democrat republican race um you know whether we're talking about utility costs and you know trying to put together um you know just naming all these things but didn't have a plan to address it and that's where stephanie came in who was very well studied and knew the issues could say if I'm elected mayor, if you elect me as mayor, this is what I'm going to do. And this is going to be my approach. And, you know, after a while, you knew the plan without you knew the plan without thinking about it. And to to voters, I think that matters. Knowing you're going to come into office and have a plan to address all that is that's really top of mind. Uh, it goes a long way. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Do you think it would have been possible for any of these candidates to win their races without the support of the other candidates if they just ran solo? I if if we didn't run as a team, I don't think we would have saw the success we did um, with this eight to one with the eight to one majority. Um, and that's that is the, the the truth. I mean, it's one thing to to be an individual running. But when you show the teamwork that is oftentimes not really highlighted or shown in the political space, um, it, it matters. I mean, I, I think back to even in, in 20 when when we were, we're talking about Georgia. So I'll use it for the for frame of conscience. You know, for the Senate seats, it was it was Warnock and Ossoff. They weren't running. They weren't running against each other, but they were running as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you you bring that into the city, the city races. We were a team. We ran as a team and we're going to govern as a team. You you take that element into consideration and you it's the opposite of what's happened in the house right like they literally voted to to take away the speakership from mike mccarthy um that doesn't happen when there is a true team yeah yeah exactly and people are talking about i mean this it worries me honestly the amount of voter apathy that's going to come from the whole mccarthy issue um because i think a lot of people are losing hope at the federal level but again um, that can be changed, you know, and it can be changed through what I would think is is local governance first, right? And and getting the Absolutely. people that we need. And we have a big opportunity next year, a huge opportunity um, to really turn the tables, not just for the presidency, but for all of these local seats um, down the line. And I'm curious, you know, could you tell these candidates consultants, other folks that are listening that want to run a race, maybe they're a first time candidate, maybe they're not, maybe they've run before, but what, what do you think is the best way to sort of start to recruit that, um, that core team? Like where would a candidate look to get something like that together and start to happen? Yeah. Um, so, so you saying that, so relationships matter, you know, I, I think back to, so, so eight years ago, I ran at large, uh, and then four years ago, I ran for as a first as a candidate and, and won in a ward race. And so having that experience and learn and learning and meeting people along the way um, and even talking. Uh, you you met Ben. Uh, yeah. I, I was the one who talked Ben into running four years ago. Oh, wow. And, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. And, and so so now. You know, he played a vital role in Stephanie's campaign and Mary Allen's campaign. Um, and it's really just rubbed off. And it started from the relationship that that, that we had. Right. It, it, it was, you know, not only um, having good people to run alongside you with someone that you may not agree with on everything, but you can find a solution through everything yeah. um, that. That goes a long way. Um, and 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 it's, you know, I, I look at, at it as, you know, no one ever wants to to be elected and is the lone representative who where no one else um, thinks like them or um, has the same values or wants to improve the same issue in the same way. So so getting like minded people at the table where the decisions are made make all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. The goals have got to be the same, right? Like that's the only way. And so throwing it back all the way to when you first started your journey, um, 
and I know it's a little bit different because you, you, you grew up there, right? So it's, it's a little bit different because you probably had some already some, you know, pre-connections I would say, but what were some of the like things that you did to even begin to like, um, like make these relationships with people? Like, how did you, I'm curious, like how you and Ben met, like, did you, were, did you spend a lot of time going to events? Like, what were some of the things you did? Yeah. So, so funny story. So, so Ben and I graduated high school the same year, oh, um, but in high school, I mean, we, we knew of each other, but we were, we did not hang out. Um, but um, so at that time we, we both worked for same, same company. Um, and we just got, involved with a lot of things in the community um through our work but yeah through through our work and so we we garnered a, a nice friendship from there and one thing led to another and he, he you know i i had ran and uh, there was someone else elected who kind of put the bug in his ear but he was a little uncertain and and then i kind of put it on heavy i said hey we've been doing all this community work together why stop now let's let's keep it going and, and he was just, you know, he was like, you're right. We Let's keep it going. And so that's that's how it started. And so, you know, even if it's not someone who's ready, you know, who's ready to run for office, it could be. Is it someone who's willing to serve on a board or yeah. someone who's willing to at least attend the meeting so um, they can assist, you know, the candidate in um, thought process and what a campaign strategy could or should look like? Yeah, no, definitely. It's funny. I, you know, I talk to a lot of people um, that decide that they want to run for Congress, for example, or I mean, even U.S. Senate, um, to be perfectly honest. And one of the first questions I always ask them is, have you attended a city council meeting? Because if you have not attended a city council meeting, it's probably not going to be the right fit. Right. Um and it, it is just so important just being in the room with the people that are making decisions before you run, right, is is really eye opening, but also like getting to know what the issues are locally, because sometimes like even in the places we've grown up in, um, we don't necessarily know what the issues are until we are there. Right. Um, so I, I always attend my local city council meetings, even though I have no ambition to run for office whatsoever, just because I think it's really important to know um, what my community is thinking and feeling and like what I can contribute. Um, do, do you agree? Do you think that that candidates like that's a really good place for them to start at least is like at least to show up to some of these things? One one hundred percent. And I would even take it a step. You know, I know everybody listening isn't going to run for city council, whether it's county council or a state rep or state delegate or assemblyman or um, if it even if it is the congressional races, see what's going on. If that means taking a trip to the state capitol or to, to D.C. to see what's going on, see who the person you're running against, how they're acting, what they're doing, like. All that matters. Um, and it gives you an insight into talking about the issues um, that is not only credible, but is also um, is it gives it it's credible. And then it just also gives you a talking point of what you would do differently than those who are currently serving. Or if it's an open seat, seeing what the predecessor of the seat, how they act. And what you would do differently, right? No one wants to say, "Oh, I'll do the exact same thing as the person that left office." No, you gotta, you gotta be your, you you gotta be your own person and, and and really, really highlight highlight yourself and sell yourself in that regard. And so, um, that's definitely a piece of advice I would, I would, uh, I would pass along. Yeah, no, definitely. I think a big part of uh, at least 
over the years, you know, seeing candidates and having worked with so many candidates, what I'm seeing more and more of is this like identity politics, right? Like people want to run on the fact that they are a vet or that they are a dad or a mom or, and those things are really important, right? Like your identity is really important, but at the end of the day, what you brought up is so important, right? Of what are you going to do differently? Like, why not keep that person in the seat that's already in the seat? You know, it's like, if if everything's going to stay the same and people are frustrated, it's, it's not enough to talk about who you are personally. You have to like get to know the issues of your community. Um, absolutely, for sure. So I'm curious, what what is on the horizon for 2024 in Indiana? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm certainly going to seek to build upon the success that we've had this year. Um, in fact, I've you know spoke to the county party chair three times today, um, just and, and just about various things about what we can do to continue this um, this hopefully what we see as a trend. Um, but then it also has the pressure of, OK, the Democrats were elected. What are they going to do that's going to make sure that uh, what are they going to do to lead our city? And because the ultimate test is four years from now. Right. We got to make sure that we're doing things now that maintain that eight to one or try to go for nine oh on the city council. Um, and so making sure that we're being um proactive, but then also not putting so much pressure on ourselves that it gets in the way of being um, being genuine about what it is that we're doing. Yeah, definitely. That's great. So any parting advice to any of the candidates uh, or consultants or both that are listening? Yeah, sure. I, I would just say uh, in the race that you're running, know the uh, amount of votes that you need, get in the ballpark, and then figure out your plan as to how to make it happen. Um, you know, all the social media posts and things. Yes, that that plays a, a part. But make sure if you if your win number is six thousand, then make sure you've talked to at least eight thousand people um, and, and at least get the support of 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 as many people above six thousand as you can. That is the that is the parting advice that I would share. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I mean, we we always talk to our candidates first and foremost about their win number and ultimately how are they going to get to that win number? And if they can do the doors, awesome. And if they can get on a slate, even better. Um, but I think, I mean, this was great. So much great advice in terms of um, relationship building and slate work and, and the success of Indiana is so exciting to see and something honestly I never thought would happen. So I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> to have, have even played such a small role in it and excited to see what happens in 2024. So thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. Um, for everybody that is listening, um, of course, like please visit us at soulstrategies.com for more information. Um, we have a free fundraising webinar coming up next week. So please get on our email list to find out more about that. And we will see you all next time.